0: really ask you to read Revelation as often as you can. Go through it. Let it saturate uh, 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 in your soul. Also, read Daniel if you've got some spare time. Also, read the book of Daniel uh, um, because they, they, they work together. Also, read the book of Zechariah if you can. You got some time? Read Zechariah. And then read Isaiah. I need you to read Isaiah while you're doing that as well. And then uh, Ezekiel make sure you're reading the book of Ezekiel and then the book of Psalms. And if you read all of those, then you have a much better understanding because, because that's what I'm noticing. As I'm reading Revelations, one of the things about Revelation is that John is calling back to a lot of the Old Testament, a lot of the prophets, a lot of the Psalms that's, that's happened in the past as he's discussing what he's seeing. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And we're going to look at that today and probably uh, the next time, because I know I'm not going to finish this much of introduction today. One of the reasons I think that we we look at Revelation differently, and, and it's a complex book for us to understand, is because we don't understand the Old Testament. If you notice, you go to a lot of churches and even in our own lives, it's a lot easier to read the New Testament. It's, it's, a, it's, it's more things that are, it seems more fun and it's not out of killing all the time and, and not of thou shalt and gods and prophets bringing fire. It, it seems more fun. And so we seem to focus a lot on the New Testament. But if you think about it, the apostles, Paul, even Jesus when they talked about reading the bible when they talked about opening the scriptures they were talking about genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy joshua judges ruth first and second samuel first and second kings first and second chronicles they were talking about the old testament that was the scriptures that they were reading look with me in romans chapter 15 verse 4 Paul, of course, is writing to the church in Rome, and he said, For whatsoever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. Paul said, all the Scriptures that's written before, everything in your Bible that's written here, for us, is everything before. But in their time, he was talking about all the prophets, the books of the law, he said those things were written for two, written for two things, for our learning and that we can have hope. Eris, uh, Augustine, we talk about him from time to time. He was uh, one of the church fathers back in the day. He said that the New Testament lies hidden in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is unveiled in the New Testament. The New Testament is hidden in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is unveiled in the New Testament. We have to make sure that we're reading all of the Bible. There isn't a a, a special section. The whole thing and the first part that Old Testament is for our understanding, especially when we get to Revelations. Revelation. I got some stats to to, to share with you guys. Of the 404 verses in the book of Revelation, 278 of them make some reference or some allusion to the Old Testament. That's 69%. 69% of Revelation points to makes allusions to or reference the Old Testament. More than half. To understand Revelation, you have to have some understanding of what's going on in the Old Testament. The books I shouted out, when we look at Revelation, we really get deep into it, we're going to see him calling out to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, and the prophecies that Isaiah talked about. We're going to see the book of Ezekiel, who was another prophet, And the prophecies that he brought. We're going to see Zechariah and references to the book of Zechariah and prophecies that he brought. What's interesting about each one of those folks, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Zechariah, they were all prophets during the time that God's people were under extreme suffering, extreme persecution extreme tribulation. And that's going to be key, again, to understanding what's happening in the book of Revelation. How many books in the Old Testament? Anybody? It's like a class. How many books in the Old Testament? How many books in the entire Bible? Let's start there. 66. There's 66 books in the whole Bible. The, New Test- the Old Testament, ha- uh, I'll help you. The New Testament have 27 books. The New Testament, there are 27 books. So, how many books in the Old Testament? Not quite. 39. Yes. There are 39 books. (laughs) You had to carry that, carry that too. Of the 39 books in the Old Testament, 24 out of the 39 books Paul talks about in Revelation. John, thank you, 24 out of all 39 books in the Old Testament, John references, alludes to, or calls out from 24 of those books. Here's a few verses. And, 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 what, and what you're going to see, a lot, of the, a lot of the images that John talks about in Revelations Are new and exotic to us. But remember, Revelation was written around the time, somewhere around the upper 90 AD. Jesus had left about 60 years ago. People still walking around who knew Jesus, who talked to Jesus. People knew what happened, you know, with, with the crucifixion and everything. These people, the Jewish people, the people that John was writing to, they knew the Old Testament. And what we're gonna see is, we. let's just show you. Look at uh, Revelation 1-5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Keep your finger there and turn back to Psalm. Psalm 89, 27. David writes, I will make him my firstborn, the greatest of the kings of the earth. David is writing about himself But we know that David, when we look in the scriptures, David is a type of Christ. What's fulfilled in David's life ultimately is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's why you'll see things in the Bible that Jesus was from the line of David. Or God told David, your kingdom shall last forever. Well, that doesn't make sense because David's going to die. What kingdom is he talking about? Oh, he's talking about Jesus Christ because David had a son who had a son, 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 who had a son. Had a daughter who had Jesus. So Jesus is from the line of David. And so what you see here in Psalms when he says... Talking about Christ, I will make him my firstborn, greatest of the kings of the earth. In Revelation, John said, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and ruler of the kings of the earth. He's calling back to Psalms. If I was a Christian, if I was a Jew in 90 AD and I read that in Psalms, my mind would instantly go back. I'm sorry, I read that in Revelation. My mind would instantly go back to Psalms 89. Oh, John is calling Jesus the same thing that David was talking about in Psalm. Let's look at verse 6, Revelation 1-6. And made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. The glory and dominion are his forever and ever. Amen. That was our Bible verse last month. Keep your finger there and turn back to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus 19, verse 6. This is Israel. God told Moses, get the people together, bring them to Mount Sinai, because I'm about to come down to the mountain and I'm going to talk to the people. This is right before he gave them the, king, the Ten Commandments. They had just left Egypt. In Exodus 19.6, God said this, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you ought to say to the Israelites. When the Christians in 90 A.D. read this letter from John, and they got to the section where it says, and he has made us a kingdom priests to his God and Father, they went immediately back to Exodus because they knew the Old Testament, like the back of their hand, And they were like, oh, my goodness. What John is saying is that we, the church, are the people that God, Yahweh, was talking about on Mount Sinai. Oh, my goodness. Let's look at verse 7. Now, in your Bibles, you might even have verse 7, like, a little bit bold, and maybe indented to the side. Yeah, that's when they're talking, hey, this is a literal quote from the Old Testament. So if we look at verse 7, it says, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, including those who pierced him, and all the families of the earth will mourn over him. Now, this is a, this is a cool one. Now, remember what John is talking about here. He's talking about Jesus. If you go back up to verse 4, grace and peace to you, from the one who is, who was, who is to come, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. So he's talking about Jesus. The man who was walking around here about 60 years ago, turning water to wine, healing the blind. The man who, they they had a trial, they crucified him. He got up and rose from the dead and was seen by over 500 people. The man who was God, and gave the power to Peter to stand up in front of all those and say, you have killed the Holy One of Israel. The man who we've been worshiping since he left. Every Sunday, gathering together and worshiping. That man, Jesus Christ, Paul says, look, he is coming in the clouds and every eye will see him, including those who pierced him. Well, that verse is a, collage of two verses. John took two verses, threw them together. Turn to Daniel chapter seven with one finger and with the other finger, I wanna show you this. I'm I'm taking my time going through this because I wanna let you understand the things that we see in Revelation are like, oh my goodness, what is that? The folks who read it during the time knew exactly what it was because they knew the Old Testament. They had studied the Old Testament. And so Paul is just calling out these things, and they're like, oh yeah, we know what are talking about. Next, next section. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, now I'm going to put a plug in here. If you have not gone through and studied the book of Daniel, you're in luck. We did a series in the book of Daniel seven years ago, 20 years ago. <laughs> we did a series in the book of Daniel Uh, It it started our World Engine series. We went through the whole book. So you can go back to our podcast, scroll back, scroll back, scroll back, and you'll see the first Daniel introduction um, to really get a good understanding of what's going on in Daniel. But in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, I'll read that. Daniel is having a vision. And I think Loaiza went, I mean, Padiah went over this last week. He talked about Daniel's vision of the four beasts. Y'all remember that? So this is the vision that Daniel had of the four beasts. In verse uh, Daniel 7 verse 13, he says, I continued watching the night visions and I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven and he approached the ancient of days and he was giving authority and glory and a kingdom and dominion that was everlasting should never be destroyed away. Daniel saw this man walk up to God the Father and God the Father give him his glory. God the Father gave him his authority. God the Father gave him all power. And he said he was coming in the clouds. That signifies God, Yahweh, who's coming in the clouds. John said in Revelation 1, look, talking about Jesus, he is coming in the clouds. What John was saying was, oh, this man who was walking around here, that was Yahweh God. The same Yahweh God that Daniel saw coming in the clouds. And people in 90 AD were like, oh, what he's saying is that Jesus is God. In Zechariah 12, verse 10, the prophet Zechariah is talking and God is speaking through him. And God says, then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem. And they will look at me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one who mourns for only a child. Now, rewind all the way back to when Zechariah wrote this. Zechariah wrote this in about, um, this was during the time about 538 B.C. God is talking. Yahweh. The people of Israel knew God. They knew Yahweh. Yahweh just said that they're going to pierce him. And I'm sure the people are like, wait, 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 wait. Zechariah, you must have been drinking last night or something, because what you just said was that Yahweh, El Shaddai, Jehovah-Jireh, jehovah Nisi, jehovah Raphi, would be pierced? Nobody going to pierce God. John said, let me help y'all understand that. This Jesus Christ is the one who John, Daniel saw coming in the clouds and is the one who told Zechariah they will look on me whom they have pierced. Last one. That's a couple more, but I just want to do one more. Verse 12. Revelation 1, 12. This is where we're going to get some of the imagery that's going on. Those of you who read, who started reading through the book, you've read through this. John begins his vision, and he says he heard a voice behind him, and the voice was loud, and it sounded like a thunder. And I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me, verse 12. When I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands. And among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man. I saw seven golden lampstands. Now, we read that in modern America. First of all, we don't know what a lampstand is. We think of a lamp, but my nightstand, that's not what it was. A lampstand, you've seen uh, during Hanukkah, you've seen them. Is these, um, what's it called, menorahs? Menor is what it's called it's like a a, like a like a like a candlestick but it's like seven candlesticks all hooked together okay John says he turned around and he saw these seven candlesticks in Zechariah 4 I'm gonna restart at verse 1 the angel who was speaking with me then turned, then returned and roused me as waking me out of sleep he asked me what do you see I replied watch this I see a solid gold lampstand there with a bowl on its top. And it has seven lamps on it and seven channels for each of the lamps on top. When someone in 90 AD was reading the letter that John wrote to them and they got to the section that said, I turned and I saw seven lampstands, they didn't go, now what's a lampstand? And why are there seven? And what does that mean? And what is John trying to tell us? No. They went, oh, he saw seven lampstands. They knew exactly what that was. In Zechariah, God said, I showed up in seven lampstands. The seven lampstands, seven represents the number of completeness, and the lamp was filled with oil, and the oil represents the Holy Spirit, who is God. And so when they saw seven lampstands, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Why? Because they had an understanding of the Old Testament. And so Revelation... As they read it, it was a lot clearer than it is to us today. My point is knowledge of the Old Testament helps us understand Revelation. So two things to that. Don't ignore reading the Old Testament. That's the practical application of that. As you're reading through your Bible, take time to look into the Old Testament because, like Paul said in Romans, the things were written before were for your understanding and for your hope and to give you and to help you in the time of need, okay? So that's going to be a heavy key as we go through this book. We're going to look back. Remember, 69% of this book refers back to the Old Testament. So we're going to be going back and forth to make sure we got a good understanding. I'm going to throw a phrase up for you. I talked about it last week, uh, and I'm going to keep saying last week. I mean the last time I preached the book of Revelation uses three styles of literature. Apocalyptic, we talk about that. That's who it remembers. Apocalyptic means what? Unveiling. It doesn't mean doom and destruction, it means unveiling. There's something that was hidden that God is like, okay, I'm going to open the curtain so you can see behind it now. Okay? That's what Revelation means. Prophetic. It's a prophecy. How do I know it's a prophecy? Well, John said it in the first chapter. We said there are two types of prophecy. There's telling. There is something that God needs you to know, something that God needs you to understand. And then there's foretelling. There's something that hasn't happened yet, and God is letting you know what's about to happen. And then there's pastoral. Pastoral are what we call the epistles. Those are the letters that the, that the apostles wrote to the churches. Paul was like, mm, that church acting up. Let me write them a letter. Hey, y'all, get your life right. Send this to them. Here's a church that was struggling with this. Oh, let me help them out with that. Let me explain that for you. Ah, here you go. Read this. Now you got to understand Because those are epistles. What we see in the book of Revelation is all three. And so as we go through the book, we need to understand, okay, what part is this? What is he doing there? Is this... Is this pastoral? Is this prophetic? Is this apocalyptic? Okay, that's going to really help us go through that. When we look at the way that Revelation was written, it was written purposeful and intentionally this way. John saw and wrote what he saw. We see that in the scriptures. God came to him. The angel said, look, we're going to show you a vision I want you to write down what you see and then let everybody know what you see. And that's exactly what John did. He saw heaven. And what's interesting, he saw the same heaven that Isaiah saw, that Ezekiel saw, that Zechariah saw. So it makes sense as he's seeing the same thing that they saw when he writes, it's going to sound similar to what we read in those books. That's why over 69% of the book looks, feels, tastes, smells like the Old Testament. When we look at the apocalyptic prophetic piece, what that is is God explaining something that was previously hidden, his plan. God had a plan before the foundation of the world. Previously, that plan was hidden, and so he came to explain it. What is that plan? That plan is about his redemption, how he's going to save the world. And the plan is, we also call it eschatological. Eschatology is the study of how God wraps this whole present earth up to usher in the new earth. And you're going to see that in Revelation. I'm going to bring a new heaven and a new earth. Everything that's here is going to pass away. You cry in here, guess what? It's going to be no more crying in the new heaven and new earth. You're sad here, there's no more sadness in the new heaven and new earth. You're stressed out here, there's no more stress in the new heaven and the new earth. And so his redemptive, we call it, uh, you'll you'll see theologians call it uh, uh, his redemptive eschatological history. That has to do with his plan and his intentions from way back of how he was going to redeem mankind and how he was going to usher in this new heaven and this new earth. God has a plan to do that, and the plan involves heaven. Heaven is involved in this plan. What Revelation is, it's unveiling the plan and showing you how heaven is involved in it. So when we look at Revelation, we're going to see things, and I saw the throne, and around the throne there were 24 elders, and they were saying, holy, why, John? Oh, because I'm giving you the redemptive, eschatological plan and I'm showing you how heaven is involved in it. You got to think about where these people were. They had just seen Jesus. Jesus was doing miracles and he left. Where did he go? They saw him. The Bible says that they saw him going up into heaven. He was talking to him, and he started going into heaven. And two angels showed up while everybody was sitting there like this. And the angels walked in and was like, what y'all? What y'all guys looking at? Oh, you looking for Jesus? Oh, well, well, just like he went up, this is Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 1. Just like he went up, the same way he's going to come back. Well, where did he go? Oh, he went to heaven. He told them. Remember he said, I go to what? Prepare a place for you. So what's happening is they're looking around. Jesus is gone. Where is he? He's in heaven. What's he doing? He's preparing. What is he preparing? The plan. There's a plan of how he's going to come back, redeem us, and transform this earth for new heaven and new earth. In heaven, he's not sitting up there twiddling his thumbs. No. Heaven is working behind the scenes, behind the curtain, to usher in that redemption and to usher in the new heaven and new earth. What the angel told John was, I'm going to show you what heaven is doing right now. That's what revelation is. The plan of action and how heaven is operating in it. The Old Testament, and I talked about this a little bit. The, the, the people during the 90 AD, they were saturated in the Old Testament. We talked about this. The kids, when you little, the first thing you get is a Bible. is a scroll. Bi- you know, they, they, the Bible said that they had these things that they should put Bible verses on their Temples of their eyes. So as they walked around the house, they saw the Bible verses there. The Bible says that they used to have, uh, God told them to put verses, and they weren't verses, but put his word, the scriptures, all around the house. So they're walking in the house, they're tripping over Bible verses. What what is it? Oh, there's another one. Everywhere they turned, the word of God was there. Their schools, they didn't go to school learning math and science. They went to school learning the Bible. So they would go to school, they would sit, they would open the scroll, and they would read. They would memorize books, prophets. We are very visual learning people in this modern generation. We watch YouTube, you're gonna learn how to do something real quick. I gotta change something in the car, I gotta do something. I pop on YouTube real quick, uh uh-huh, uh uh-huh, uh uh-huh, boom, and then go do it. In this time, they were very literature-centric people where it was all about reading, it was all about reading. And so they knew the Bible inside and outside, especially the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, anything had to do with Moses and the prophets. That's what they knew, like knew, like knew, like knew. So as we saw, as John was calling out these things, like a lampstand coming in the clouds, the one he is pierced, they were like, oh, boom. Oh, that's Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. They really understood what it was. As a matter of fact, I talked about when Jesus first showed up in the synagogue. The first thing he did was walk to the front, pick out the scroll of what book? Anybody remember? Isaiah. He went straight to the prophets. And he opened it and he started reading what the prophets had prophesied about him. And he said, oh, yeah, this is happening now. I'm the Duke. Excuse me, I'm the dude Isaiah's talking about. As John is writing the book of Revelation, and he's writing this letter, he's assuming that those who are reading it, remember, he's writing it to folks during this time. He's assuming that the people reading understand what he's talking about. He's not trying to be, you know, I'm just going to say this. He knows, oh, I'm going to say this, and they're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. For instance, if I'm here and I say, be careful when you go to California, some places you can't wear blue, and some places you can't wear red. All y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about fashion. I'm talking about the Crips and the Bloods. I'm, you know that because in our culture, the color blue and the color red, California, we that is easy. So if I'm writing a letter to you guys and say, "Yeah, you're going to Crenshaw, make sure you don't wear red," you're not like, "Okay." Now, what Olu could be meaning with red? is red is blood. The blood is red. And red blood is in your body. So blood could be... L.A. is going to go into war in the blood. Blood is going to flood the whole state of California. Oh, my goodness! California is going to be surrounded by blood. No, I was just saying be careful because there are bloods and crypts out there. Take that mentality as we go through Revelation. John's going to be saying some stuff that's going to be off the wall to us, like, oh, my goodness. OK, we got to get some codes to detect it. And John's like, John's in heaven, like, but why? why? Why are you doing that? Just just look at the Old Testament. It'll show you exactly what I'm, oh, man, now they now they got charts. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy, now they got colorful pictures. What is that? I don't even know what that is. I, I, I didn't even mean that. Just look at Zachariah. Oh, ah, they don't even know what Zachariah is. Oh, boy, this is going to be rough. That's the type of context I want you to get as we go through this. The Old Testament, as we look at the prophets, they were written during a time of struggle, during a time of stress, during a time of hard times. And we're gonna see that when I get to the next introduction. I'm gonna really take some time and I wanna go over what was going over in the culture, what was going on in the government, what was going on during that time that the folks that John was writing this to was experiencing that's going to be also key in understanding what's happening here when we talk about prophecy I'm going to close with these two points when we talk about prophecy there's a reason why what prophecy is when we look at prophecy prophecy in our scriptures is always a call from God to his people. He's saying that it's time for a renewed commitment to me. Whenever you look at prophecy, God is saying, "Hey, you guys have dropped the ball. You guys have you were doing right and now you way off, you're off left now." So whenever we see the prophet stepping up, it's God saying, hey, 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 get your attention back on me. Hey, 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 stop focusing on that. Here, here. There needs to be a renewed commitment towards me. Also, the commitment is to God. The commitment is to God and the commitment to his law. Whenever you see prophecy, in Revelation, which is a prophetic book, you're going to see God saying, hey, 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 eyes here. You're losing focus. I'm, I'm seeing you drifting. You started off good. Now you're doing this. I need your focus back. Commit back to me and commit back to my laws. You're also going to see whenever prophets show up, Not only is renewed commitment to God and to his laws, but you always see there's a temptation to compromise. Look, any prophecy, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, there's always God's people thinking, well, you know, we... We could do that. I mean, I mean listen, it, it makes sense. I know what God said, but this, I mean, this seems to be working for them. Like, I read this in a magazine, and this, this seems to make sense. So I, I'm, I'm going to, I know what God said, but I'm going to add this to it. Well, I'm going to do a little bit of this. God said, hey, 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 I's here. I need you committed back to me, to my law, and I need you to stop compromising. I need you to stop saying, I'm going to do this and this. I need you to stop saying, well, it's okay, God. No, 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 no. Prophetic writings is God saying, renew your commitment to me, focus back on me, focus back on what I said, make sure you're obeying it, and stop compromising. We're going to see that in the book of Revelation, and that's the message for us today. The reason why he wrote this Also, an apocalyptic was for a couple of reasons. One, the folks during that time, as I said before, were very familiar with that type of language. They had some folks who they held as heroes. The first one was Moses. Anything Moses said, it was all all in, all good. There was Daniel, and there was Isaiah, and there was David. If you were Daniel, David... Isaiah or Moses, that was the top four. What's that um, rock formation that had the president's faces? What's that called? Mount Rushmore. The Mount Rushmore for the people during that time would have been a carving of Moses' face, David's face, Isaiah's face, and Daniel's face. Those were the three guys. So they were very, they had an affinity to this type of writing. When we look at Daniel, Badiah went over it last week. Four beasts came out. This beast came out and had three ribs in his mouth. It represent the Greeks. Now, were the Greeks a bear with three ribs in his mouth? No. Was the Romans a leopard with with uh 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 not uh, the Greeks with a leopard with the with the four heads? No. They weren't a leopard with four heads. They were people. But it was this type of literature that they understood what it meant. Oh, that means they're going to be fast. A leopard with wings. Well, oh, that means they're going to conquer, and they're going to conquer fast. And Padilla talked about that last week. Hebrews knew about it. Apocalyptic literature was timeless. Didn't matter where you were. It's kind of like, um, how many had to read Shakespeare when they were in school? I didn't, have to, I, I didn't have to. I did it. Shakespeare was so hard for me. But even today, you read it, you know, Thus, dus, carry The, blah, the, blah, the blah, whatever Shakespeare said. It's timeless. People still today even talking about it. The other part, and this is what we're gonna get into next week, the other reason why John decided to use apocalyptic is because he was writing in code. Now, I don't mean some secret code that you gotta to go to the depths and to figure out. I meant what was happening during that time were the Romans, and I, want to, I don't wanna give any sneak peeks into next week, because next week is gonna be, be crazy. It's gonna be crazy. The Romans... I'll tell you this much. The Romans were burning anything biblical. They were burning anything biblical. They were walking around. If you had a letter from a prophet or you had a letter from an apostle, they were snatching up and they were burning them. The Romans were hearing these Christians talking about this kingdom that was coming and that Christ was coming back. And they knew Christ. They just killed him on the cross. So they got Christ coming back at a kingdom Talk to me a little bit more about this kingdom he's coming back. Because we're the Romans. There ain't nobody coming to run our kingdom. And so what the Romans were doing, and anytime they heard things about kingdom or Christ or coming back, they were snatching folks up and killing them. They were snatching up any writings and tearing it up and burning them. And so John, and, 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 and this is really going to hit next week, John, during the climate that was in, was like, I'm going to use apocalyptic literature. Because if the Romans snatch this up and look at it, they're going to see, and a woman was in the sky and she gave birth, and the dragon came. Oh, this is a good book. It's a dragon. Ah, <laughs> ah. It's a lampstand. A lampstand is talking. Can you imagine a lampstand? This is comical. I should give this to my kid. They'll love this. Oh, my goodness. This is like Harry Potter or something. They He was able to write what he saw in a way that they understood and that the Romans, who were... Given the worst persecution known to man, to Christians. They picked this up and be like, oh, this is just some more superstition. That's what they called it, by the way. The Romans used to call Christians superstitious because they didn't believe in all their gods. And they used to always get together and pray. They used to help each other out. and to call each other brother and sister. And they used to drink the blood of Jesus and eat the flesh. Those are superstitious folks. This is one of those, oh, this is just one of those superstitious pamphlets. Let it go. But God used that so that he could give the message to the people. Hey, I'm coming back. You might be going through some hard times, but I'm coming back. So while you're going through those hard times, renew your commitment with me. Make sure you're walking in obedience and don't compromise. Because I got something to tell you. So that's the biblical setting for Revelation. I wanted to take a whole message and set that tone. The stuff we see here might be unfamiliar with us, but it wasn't to them. So we have to understand what what did they see when they saw that? What did they think of when they saw that? Next week, we're going to get into what the climate was during that time what the culture was during that time. Because it's key to understand what John is writing is understand who he was writing to and what those people were going through that he was writing to. So, today's message for us as we go into the week. Don't just stay in the New Testament. Paul said that all the scriptures are written for our comfort and for our hope. Also, the emphasis on this is on the prophetic, the foretelling and the foretelling Make sure, check your commitment out with God. Check it out. How, how's your commitment to God? Really have an evaluation. You and your God, you go in a closet and you talk. Okay, God, really, am I committed to you? It's a good thing to do with marriages, too. How committed am I to my wife? How committed am I to my husband? I say it a lot. I, I, what, what's, if I had to rate a scale from one to ten, where would I put my commitment level? Do that with God. Also, my obedience if I had to take a scale from one to 10, how much am I obedience? Am I at a nine, 10, or am I like a two, three? And then my compromise. Do I find myself wishy-washy? Do I find myself, sometimes, man, I'm good, but sometimes it's like, you know what, I'm a little too tired too, or I don't feel like it, or I'm going to watch this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to say this, or I'm going to act this way, because, you know, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to... Get yourself a scale. Commitment to God, commitment to his obedience, and compromise. And see if you're a 10-10-10. We're looking for 10-10-10s. 10, 10, Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for, for allowing us to understand the context of your word and revelation. Seeing, Father God, that you have seamlessly had a plan and you worked this plan all the way Before the foundation of the earth, all the way through the prophets and to Moses and Zechariah and Isaiah and to Daniel, such that by the time John showed up, he was able to refer back to these things you have said before to show that the God has not changed. He's immutable. The same God that talked to Daniel is the same God that's with us today through what we're going through. The same God that talked to Isaiah is the same God that's with us today. The same God that talked to David and Moses is the same God today. And what he said back then is true in Moses' time. It was true in John's time. It was true as the church were going through some of the most heinous persecution the world has ever seen. And it's true in our time today in 2023, you are still God. You are still on the throne. Heaven is still working for us. Heaven is still operating, though we can't see it. Though was behind the curtain, though we're going through a hard times, though we go through suffering, though we go through pain, though we go through confusion, heaven is still working. Christ, you said, I go to prepare. And you are preparing that new heaven and that new earth for us. Father, I pray that you'll be with us as we go through Revelation. Open our eyes, pull back the scales, pull back the curtain so we can understand what your word is to us through the apocalyptic literature, through the prophetic literature, and through the pastoral literature. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.